0: In February 2009, Asghar Farhadi arrived at the Berlin Film Festival with his fourth feature, About Ellie. It was the first time Farhadi had been invited to screen in the competition. Come closing night, the jury, led by Tilda Swinton, awarded him the Silver Bear. Two years later, Farhadi returned with A Separation, and this time the jury, led by Isabella Rossellini, honoured him with the Golden Bear. Thus, Farhadi became the first Iranian director to receive the festival's top prize. A year after that, on February 26, 2012, A Separation became the first Iranian production ever to win the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film.
1: I would like uh, to thank the Academy and Sony Pictures Classics and my dear friends Michael Barker and Tom Bernard. At this time, many Iranians all over the world are watching us and I imagine them to be very happy. They are happy not just because of an important award or a film or a filmmaker, but because at the time when talk of war, intimidation, and aggression is exchanged between politicians, the name of their country, Iran, is spoken here through her glorious culture, a rich and Asian culture that has been hidden under the heavy dust of politics. I proudly offer this award to the people of my country, a people who respect all cultures and civilizations and despise hostility and resentment. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: That same night, A Separation had also been nominated for Best Original Screenplay. But although Farhadi didn't win in that category, his script had already been honoured by the London, Los Angeles and National Society of Film Critics. Now, when a film wins best picture, but not best director, some people scratch their heads. Surely, if a film wins best picture, it is because of the director. But how can a film win best picture and not best screenplay? Doesn't the screenplay tell the story? What makes a great screenplay? Put that question to scriptwriting gurus, Pilar Alessandra, Robert McKee, Erica Edson, Pamela J. Smith, and the answers will vary. Structure character, originality, subversion, pace, theme or tone. For me, what makes a great screenplay is a great film. Screenplays are written to be filmed. No one ever writes a screenplay, so it will stay on the page. When was the last time you saw a great film with a weak screenplay? Or a weak film with a great screenplay? While a screenplay is one cornerstone to any film's success, by the time the script has been cast, filmed, edited, and the final product eventually released, the script has become no more than an outline for the film. If you're a screenwriter, you're likely cursing me right now. But I'm quoting from someone who knows a thing or two about screenwriting, David Mamet. That's all the
2: movie is, is an outline. Everything else the actors are going to do it, or the set, the set designer's going to do it, or the camera the cameraman or woman's going to do it, that's all the movie is, is an outline. So I, I do hundreds of pages of, of, of outline, trying to get the outline down to the, the point where I say, you know, somebody else might know better, but I don't know anymore, it's best I can do. And that, so then you can go and write the movie in an afternoon. That's all it is.
0: The separation begins with a credit sequence that places us inside, of all things, a photocopy machine. We are looking up at the surface as passports are placed on the glass for duplication. The fluorescent tube scans a woman's document, then a man's. As the automation continues, the cold, harsh light transits the screen, presenting more documents of other men and women, suggesting an efficient, almost bureaucratic ease. While it is low-key, if anyone knows anything about storytelling, it is that what will follow will be anything but easy. Farhadie then switches to a shot of a woman and a man sitting alongside each other quickly it becomes apparent that they are petitioning for divorce, or at least the woman is. The law stipulates a request for divorce must come from both parties, and because the husband does not agree, well, that's why they're here. Swiftly, the exchanges become heated, as the woman argues that she does not want her daughter to grow up, quote, under these circumstances, by which we infer she means contemporary Iran. However, her husband won't leave the country, because his father is suffering from Alzheimer's. The irresistible force meets the immovable object, and the collision will have a seismic impact on the couple, their family and beyond. But, as is the case with great films, the script is not enough. It is how Farhadi films it. Think of other masterful explorations of marital crises, trial separations, or eventual divorces. When, in 1954, Roberto Rossellini went to make Journey to Italy, he was slowly stepping away from his neorealist roots. But although he cast two Hollywood stars, George Saunders and Ingrid Bergman, Rossellini did his utmost to strip them of any glamour. Two years later, in 1956, Yasujiro Ozu delivered Early Spring in which he explored infidelity of a newly married couple. As was so typical of Ozu, he kept his camera very still, using geometric patterns to show the emotional sorrow of the portrayed young wife. In 1961, Michelangelo Antonioni did something similar, but used deep shadows, glass surfaces and empty spaces to illustrate the existential crisis in La Norte. For contrast, back in 1973, Ingmar Bergman resorted to his customary searing close-ups to present scenes from a marriage. Made for television and initially running as a six-part miniseries for the theatrical release, Bergman somehow managed to edit the drama down to little under three hours without hurrying the marital disintegration. The episodic structure certainly helped, but another factor was a strict visual composition. Everything was carefully framed. However, in 1992, Woody Allen used a chaotic handheld camera, frequently whipped panning and zooming in on the bickering couples to capture the chaos and tumult in husbands and wives. Who are you? Who are you?
2: Jack! What? My God! You changed the lock on my own goddamn
0: house. Here? Who's this? Who's this?
2: This is, this is my husband. It's none of your business. Please none of my leave business. right
0: now. I don't want to leave. Leave, leave me, right now. Right. Am I all right? All right pal. What the hell? I, who are you? Hey. Is he living here? In contrast to the various styles on display in all those pictures, for Hadi opts for the simplicity of naturalism. The opening confrontation is presented with a single three and a half minute shot of the couple, Simin and Nader, played respectively by Lila Hatami and Payman Mahdi. Cinematographer Mahmoud Kalari frames the argument with a calm, handheld composition that is so familiar as to appear casual. Sitting side by side directly in front of us, Simin and Nader present their situation to the clerk. However, we never see the clerk because the camera is in his position, which means that Simin and Odair spend their time arguing directly into the camera as if we are to assess the individual merits of their arguments, pass judgment and hand down a ruling. However, Farhadi is doing something else. By having Simin and Odair sitting side by side, the same distance from the camera, he is not prioritising one over the other. Instead, he affords them both equal sympathy. Samin's reasons are just as compelling and rational as dares. And while Farhadi will continue that balancing act throughout the story, he ever so gently begins to balance that beam on the shoulders of their 11-year-old daughter, Terma. Played by Farhadi's real-life daughter, Serena, it eventually falls to Terma to decide which of her parents she will live with. The film ends without revealing her decision, and that is just one of the several developing uncertainties that sustain the tension. But paradoxically, Ferhadi maintains a dramatic harmony through the various plot lines by never portraying a single person as the villain. To quote from Jean Renoir's The Rules of the Game, the awful thing about life is, everyone has their reasons. Here is Ferhadi in 2012 being interviewed by David Poland with translation provided by Shayida Dayani.
1: The
2: decision to leave, this could mean that She's not happy with the conditions she's in. But given the fact that I only show her, and I don't pass any judgment on her position, I don't um, agree or disagree with her position, this allows me to make that film and not face any difficulties.
1: I think if you want
2: to look for those reasons, they're hidden in the layers, the hidden layers of the film. They, they're in the hidden layers of the and. Uh, Across from this character you have another character who is insisting on staying. I did not try to fall on one side. I tried to give both sides an equal gaze. This is only one of the angles from which you can see this film. There are other angles
0: too. By comparison to just how balanced for Hadi's treatment of the family crisis is, Consider the way Meryl Streep's Jane is demonized in Robert Benton's adaptation of Avery Corman's novel, Kramer vs. Kramer.
1: Do me a favor, just tell me the truth, okay? Did, did, did you set my wife up to this? No,
2: I did not put Joanna up to this. Give her a little pep talk? No, I did not give her any pep talk. Joanna and I talk a great deal, yes. And Joanna is a very, very unhappy woman. And you may not want to hear this, but it took a lot of courage for her to walk out of here. Mm-hmm. How much courage does it take to walk out on your kid?
0: What elevates Farhadi's film into the realm of masterpiece is that just like Ozu, Antonioni, Bergman and Allen, he is more interested in revealing human frailty than he is in apportioning blame. Here is Farhadi in 2017, being interviewed, again via translator Shayda Dayani, on the YouTube channel Film Courage.
1: It really
2: depends on the viewer and what their preference is in terms of what angle they look at the film from. It's possible that some viewer in a faraway city may see the film and no cultural aspect is important to them. They just are interested in seeing these characters and where they're going. However, as this is a realistic film, it's made in a society and the characteristics of that society are reflected in and can be found in the film.
0: The climate in which a separation was made is one in which filmmakers are imprisoned because political leaders and religious clerics take issue not only with their subjects, but again, how filmmakers depict the subject. So although Samin and Nader do still love each other, they spend their time indirectly bickering about the state of the country. That state is split along various lines, the most obvious one being generational. And in the film, Farhadi marks that split between the daughter Terma, who is clearly a motivated student, and Nader's father, who is succumbing to Alzheimer's. Samin wants to leave with Terma to offer her a better future, while Nader, understandably attached to his father, seems beholden to the past. And that past needs the assistance of an oxygen tank to stay alive. Such divisions have existed for so many generations, they long predate the Islamic Revolution of 1979. And that rupture presents the film's other major split. When Samin moves out, Nader hires Razier to help care for his father. While Samin and Nader are affluent educator professionals, Razier, played by Sarah Bayat, is not. She and her husband Hojat, played by Shahab Husseini, work in the marginal services industry, are paid in cash, with wages bartered on individual and hourly rates, and are never certain how long their employment will last. While Samin is religiously observant, she is navigating a route towards greater freedom. By contrast, Razier, who is religiously devout, lives in fear that her actions may be sinful, and thus she will be punished. Two years before Farhadi made his film, Iran had conducted its 10th presidential election. It appeared that Mahmoud Ahmadinejad had been easily re-elected, but there was widespread suspicion of fraud of the polls. Against mounting protests, dozens of citizens were killed, hundreds injured, and several figures in the film industry, jafar Panahi, Mohammad Rasulof, Pega Achan Gharani and Raman Parchami were imprisoned. When Farhadi spoke out in support of his colleagues, production on his film was stalled by the authorities. While filmmakers in secular democracies do take risks in presenting their own personal visions, undoubtedly Farhadi's film assumes a different gravitas. As evidence, given the amount of deception and dishonesty, both in and surrounding the making of Farhaddy's film. It could easily have been called Secrets and Lies.
1: Somewhere out there, and we don't know where, is your birth mother. Now, she's probably married, perhaps not. She may have other children. She might be dead. She may even be in Australia or somewhere. We just don't know, but what we do know is, that at the time she gave you up for adoption, she was under the impression that she would probably never see you again. Now, as I know you're very well aware, the law has changed since then and you are now legally entitled to seek your birth mother out. But the snag is, she may not want to see you.
0: For Hattie and Mike Lee share other traits. Both directors prefer naturalism. And although Lee has made three historical pictures, for the most part, his dramas also unfold on the faces of his characters. However, that is not to say that Farhadi's frame is limited to just that. Strange as it may sound, a separation is presented, like a thriller. Our view of events is often obscured, either by an actor standing in our way, or, just as often, by a doorway or a window frame. Filming through windows or glass is one of Farhadi's preferred motifs. You see it here, and in his next picture, The Past, which earned its female lead, Bernice Bejo, Best Actress at the 2013 Cannes Film Festival, and then again, most recently, with Everybody Knows, starring Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. As for The Salesman, which, in 2016, earned Farhadi his second Academy Award, he adopted Arthur Miller's masterpiece, The Death of a Salesman, as a plot inside his own story to further his examination of deception and misunderstanding. In a separation, the glass motif is most evident in Samin Nader's apartment. The central atrium is partitioned by glass, and that allows us to see across the space into the living room, kitchen, corridors, and if the doors are open, the bedrooms. Initially, this appears to give us access to what is happening, as if everything in the house were transparent. But then it emerges that Farhadi is using the glass to stifle communication. We can see and hear everyone's position but the glass is emblematic of the characters losing touch with each other. We'll leave the last word to Farhadi, once again from the David Poland interview.
2: Uh, when you speak of Iranian filmmakers, it's important to recognize that there are a great number of them and that they have a variety of gazes and ways of looking at things. The difficulties that they're confronted with they're not all confronted with the same kind of difficulties. I believe the difficulties you're referring to are ones that come to exist for films that are critical. In any event, those difficulties do exist, and as a filmmaker, you make the decision of whether to go towards those subjects or not. For someone who's been living there, the shape of these difficulties is one way. For someone looking in from the outside, they appear differently. When you've been born there, raised there, and started to make your films there, uh, at times, I'm not saying always, you know the way to find a way around these difficulties and still make the film that you wish to make.